are listening to the Orchestra Teacher Podcast. Welcome to the Orchestra Teacher Podcast. My name is Charles Laux, and I'm your host. Today, we are uh, recording with uh, Miss Erin Broadhurst, who is uh, an orchestra director in the Hilliard City Schools in Hilliard, Ohio, just west of Columbus. Welcome, Erin. Hope you're doing well today. Hi, Dr. Laux. It's good to talk to you. Great to chat with you as well. So, um, Erin and I uh, worked together in Hilliard uh, back from 2009 to 2012, right before I moved to Georgia, and we were kind of at uh, next-door neighbor middle schools, and uh, we also did some co-teaching and uh, collaborative teaching at uh, the sixth-grade center there that they had, and uh, it was always just so cool to be able to learn from you and work with you, and we had just a great yeah, time. Same here. <laughs> yeah, it was a great experience for me, too. We had a great time. So um, I wanted to uh, bring Erin on the show to uh, let everybody get to know her and um, obviously just uh, to we're talking orchestra stuff and picking brains and doing all that stuff that we do here on the uh, Orchestra Teacher Podcast. So Erin, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and maybe what made you decide to become a string teacher. Sure. Um, I grew up in the Cincinnati area. Um, and I went to Anderson High School, which was in Forest Hills Schools, um, and had just a host of fantastic music educators that were mentors for me um, that wanted to help me out in any way possible and give me extra guidance above and beyond what I got in class and really inspired me to want to go into this myself and be a music teacher as well. Great, great. Um, and so when did you start playing? When did you, when did you, what, what, how old were you or what grade were you in? Yeah, I was in, in sixth grade, which by Forest Hill standards was actually a little bit of a late start because they actually started students in fourth grade. And I think they Mm -hmm. had lessons twice a week, um, for fourth, fifth and sixth grades. Um, but somewhere in the middle of sixth grade, um, the orchestra director from the high school came to our general music class and was announcing that they were very short on lower strings for the next year's middle school levels. And um, I had always wanted to play a stringed instrument. I remember being inspired by our general music teacher who was a violinist and on certain days she would bring in her instrument and play for us. So it was something that had been brewing in my mind that I always wanted to play a stringed Mm -hmm. instrument anyway. Um, And so I went home and talked to my parents about it. And the very earth shattering reason why I play the viola is that that they didn't need violins. They needed violas, cellos and basses. And I could not carry a cello or a bass on the bus. So that main reason, I don't even think I knew what a viola was, even after my dad and I went Mm -hmm. and rented one. I couldn't have told you necessarily how it was different than a violin, but I was just excited to be part of that string family and um, and took those lessons once a week after school by this wonderful teacher that um, um, that was ready to you know cultivate this next level of lower strings, and so yeah, I think it's so funny that something that turned into my passion and my career is something that I basically started by chance. Isn't that a, it's amazing what life yeah. can bring you? And, yeah, uh, and I was. I think of myself as a viola personality and, and, you know, love those inner voices, but, and it's not necessarily, you know, 
because I chose it. It was just, you know, just what happened. So very yeah, fortunate. Yeah, we'll, we can, we'll refrain from any jokes or anything like that right now. <laughs> well, I thank you. <laughs> yeah, I play viola too, so I, I, I get that. Um, but right. that, that is really cool. And um, I know that um, once I had uh, left Hilliard, things changed a little bit. You want to tell us a little bit about how uh, there were some changes with starting day, uh, the year in which students started and the frequency. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that yeah. so you know, enlighten our audience? You know, sixth grade was a late start for the the Cincinnati area, but now is actually the year that we start now. So very shortly after you left, I believe it was actually um, in the fall of 2012, we mm-hmm. started sixth graders. And we thought it was going to be a big loss to lose our fifth grade program, which had been our, our starter program. But the we fifth, found the fifth that grade it was, program was a pullout, right? It was two, two days a week. Two days a week from 14 different elementary schools, pulled um, two days a week for 30 minutes. And as you remember, by the time they came back, sometimes a little bit late from lunch or recess, and we got them all lined up and tuned ourselves, we were lucky if we taught... 15 minutes of tune, you know, of playing. <laughs> right. Um, just, so, yeah. and twice a week. And there was a lot of loss between those lessons. And when snow days came around, you could go two weeks without seeing um, that class because of holidays and snow days and things like that. Yeah. So, when we moved to sixth grade and we had these like 47 minute classes and um, everyday instruction, we found uh, yeah. that the students played better and they felt better about playing so we um we ended up retaining many more students and our band colleagues had that same experience as well so yeah that is that is wonderful and you know um it's nice to be able to start younger but at the same time when you're not meeting with as much frequency there's also a lot of time for students to develop bad habits and just absolutely technique reinforced so you're just correct constantly fixing things and when you get to start every day it really does help um you know before i had come to hilliard i had worked in districts that you know we we met every day so it was kind of a big change for me and um just getting used to that schedule and not being in a uh necessarily an orchestra room to teach in you know when i had done student teaching in ohio there was a, a lot of different uh places where we taught but i remember you know we had talked before about uh, teaching elementary strings at Sayota Darby in the kitchen. Back, right. You know, <laughs> with the door opening and closing to the cold air every once in a while. Yes. Or, you know. And then, you know, yeah. people, you know, they'd be cleaning up or whatever it mm-hmm. was. It was just, it was just a lot of um, distractions and not, uh, Absolutely. not the best environment uh, for students to learn. So, you know, it's, it's right. hard for students to get really excited about something when they don't have that, you know, aesthetic place, uh, uh, highly aesthetic place to learn environment right yeah it's just it wasn't necessarily that so you know for those that are out there teaching and and you you don't have your own room you know it's very understandable uh that it makes it just makes it a lot more difficult right and we still even with those sixth grade classes still do some things in the cafeteria and different places but we've Mm -hmm. still been able to modify those settings to um to be conducive environments bringing in you know, portable whiteboards and um, bringing in carts with the things we need and and things like that. But That's the other good. thing that we that we love about um, 
about seeing them every day. And we were so lucky to have someone on our side um, really fighting for that once we lost fifth grade. But the, the other thing about seeing them every day is that it's so much more time to connect with them. And I think that might be a piece of of the retention as well is that we're able to connect with them and get to know them and we have time for a few more fun things um, in the experience instead of always having to rush to get the skills taught and the pieces right. learned and things like yeah. that so absolutely that is uh that's a good point uh to have just to have that time yeah definitely a good point um so uh that that is uh, kind of where you are. So you start in sixth grade. You also do some work at the high school. You teach some high school classes at at uh, Hillier Bradley. And Correct. so, can you tell us a little bit about that that element of being able to sure. kind of feed yourself? I guess you call it. Yeah. So I'm not actually able to teach the beginners now as I did for a while. But then once those beginners started to feed up into the upper grade levels, we had so many classes at the upper levels that um, I'm not able to to teach those beginners, which I miss a little bit because I love that energy. But um, now I so I teach um, three out of four um, seventh and eighth grade classes. So we have four, you know, sections and I teach three of those. And then I teach um three out of four sections of high school as well. So I'm really enjoying getting to know the students for such a long period of time from age 12 up to age 18 and watch as they grow and mature and become better musicians and better, you know, more developed people. Um, And then it's, it's easier to know what, where to start at the high school because I was there and, um, you know, I can continue where we left off. And I know that if they're missing something at the high school, it's my fault. So I better go back and start <laughs> teaching no them more carefully the at the middle anymore. school. Yeah. <laughs> Although every once in a while, the high schoolers try to tell me that they never learned something. And I have to say, oh, you did. Yeah. I was there. You were there. <laughs> you know, and one of the things that's interesting about retaining students is, is every time there's a building change, there's usually a drop off too, and that was one of the other things I think um, when we had that that fifth grade program. They we had in Hilliard. It's very interesting. There's the elementary that goes through fifth grade, and then middle school doesn't start till seventh grade. And they have a sixth grade center. They go for one year, so there's a building change from fifth to sixth, from sixth to seventh, and every time there's a building change, it's also difficult to to retain students. So by eliminating that fifth grade program, you're essentially eliminating one more opportunity for them to building change. Yeah. To drop out. And, um, so that was for sure. mm -hmm. Yeah. It's helped tremendously. Yeah. And the numbers have just like, didn't they like triple or something? Yeah. Between, between double and triple, we went from about two sections at the middle school to four very healthy sections. Wow. at each and the same thing for each of the high schools have four as well so that's very healthy <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah and, and hilliard is a, uh, a, a larger district maybe for ohio um three high schools still is that correct yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um three middle schools correct yeah and how many elementaries are there there are 14 okay okay so, um, yeah, a larger district for Ohio, but a very healthy and strong uh, music program all around in, in you know, all areas. Um, yes. So, and we're uh, so fortunate to be very well supported by our district and, you know, great colleagues. Yes. There's lots of great teachers there, too, that get to keep keep that 
tradition going, you know. Um, what are some what are some things that you would say maybe are like the highlights of your career or the 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 things that are just that keep you going every day? Sure. Well, you know, some of the most rewarding things for me, I think, is when you take um, when you start with that extrinsic reward, like a, a sticker or a Jolly Rancher, and suddenly <laughs> that turns around and becomes an intrinsic reward. And I remember um, being at an OSU workshop and we had Dan Long from Michigan uh, talk Dan to us, who's best. so inspiring. He's so inspiring. And he would say, you know, it's okay. Don't feel bad about those extrinsic rewards because they will lead to those internal rewards. So I love that mm. moment when the music becomes a reward, when a student is so happy at how the group or or even just their own instrument sounds, um, or how proud they are that they're playing a beautiful piece of music. And that doesn't have to be far down the road. It can be in middle school um, or even in sixth grade. They can just be proud of what they're doing. So I, I kind of love that moment when you call out whatever piece that you're going to play and you hear a little chorus of, yes, yes. <laughs> and you yeah, know you've picked something the that they enjoy and that, right, exactly, that that it's starting to um, starting to click for them. So I love that, um, watching that dawn and, and happen all the way through. And then I really like, um, as students become older and more mature as we get to the high school, and, and even in the middle school, watching them start to take some initiative and leadership. Mm -hmm. And um, as as music educators, we you know we can't we can't do everything. And it's so nice to have them um, take some leadership in planning events. And we just had students just now, we did a, an event for our eighth graders to recruit them into the high school and the high schoolers planned almost all of it. They organized some great fun wow. activities, including a really cool scavenger hunt all over the building so that they would get a chance to get to know the building. Well, um, I don't even know what's in it because I know, but I know they came back really happy and, yep. um, and they made a recruiting video to show them to say, um, how much they liked about orchestra and all of this was just self-initiated. And I think that's for me, like one of the most proud moments Absolutely. as much, if not even more than a good performance or a good class time, but just the students deciding that it's their orchestra and they want to shape it the yeah. way they'd like it to go. I, I love it um, when I talk to former students and, you know, I'll say, do you remember when we played X piece and they don't remember that necessarily all the time, but they do, they even sometimes have a hard time pinpointing one thing that they liked about being in the program. They just, it was the feeling they got when they were there and the, right. the experiences the, that kind of that holistic experience and and a lot of them are like, well, orchestra was the best part of my high school, but they can't yes. be, even be specific about it. I mean, they, they might mention a trip or some of the kids who are, um, you know, really, really into composers may say, well, I remember when we played, you know, this piece. But for most of them, it's just that experience and that feeling that they got. And um, that is for me, that's a big it's a big, big thing. I want all my students to have that that feeling. And, and sometimes when you don't have students who are, are, are just kind of there because they like the social aspect or whatever, it, it's, I, I, sometimes we all take things very personally. I think I had talked about that right. with uh, Matt, um, how we all take mm -hmm. things very personally. And we have to just realize that some kids are going to, are going to really jump at the gun to, to, to do all the leadership things. And, 
and have those experiences. And some kids just like to be in orchestra because they like the social aspect or they like sure. being a part of a group. And, and that's okay. It is okay. It's, you know, and you know, I, and I agreed and, and, um, and I, I was like, you know, I listened to that, that podcast that, that you and Matt did. And I was, you know, saying here, here on that, that, that we have a place for you if just playing your instrument makes you happy, or maybe just, it's the only class that you are sure that you're going to have with your friend. That's very valid. As adults, yep. we would do the same. So, um, you know, we sign up for PD together and we, we do all of those things too. So I, um, I agree that some of our not necessarily most skilled kids are the ones that we depend on a hundred percent to be our managers, to set things up and to organize things for us and, um, yeah. become some of the most responsible ones we have. So, um, you know, as long as a student wants to be with us, we're, we're glad to have them. So, yep. I, 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 it's one of the things I love about my program is I have, I have five levels. And so, there's really a place for everybody musically. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's nice to be able to differentiate that way and, and give kids those, those right. experiences that are like a right at their threshold of, of, of their, you know, development and their learning so that they can, you know, reach, reach further and, and, and improve and, and be better, but not uh, to a point where they're kind of in over their head or, or the opposite right. extreme where it's just too easy, you know. Right. So that's, that that's we can the give them I... success at every level. And that's something that I truly believe in, that every single orchestra should sound great on a concert. Um, right. So you find the way to do it. You find the music that's going to make them sound great, which might take a lot of searching, but but you do. And, and you find things that are going to motivate them and not just save the good pieces for your upper groups, but find fun and motivating things for, you know, all the levels. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Um, so what are, are there any things, uh, you know, we talked a lot about a lot of positive things, but are there any things or concerns or trends that you're seeing within education or string education that, you know, concern you a little bit that maybe we could address or talk about? Well, it's not so much a string education thing, but it has um, effects on, on what we do and that I'm worried that... Um, there's so much of a focus, I think, nationwide on pushing students hard and early on into a, a specific vocation or even a specific field. Yeah. And they're taking tests in seventh and eighth grade that say, you are good at math, so you should only do math. And and while those things are wonderful, and I, I even, you know, I have a child who's so into STEM, and I think that's fantastic. I think it, it's got to be STEAM. Um, I think the arts has a really important place in there because, um, well, first of all, you know, they, their mind could change, you know, a million times between seventh and eighth grade and and 11th grade. And who knows what they truly may want to do and what would make them happy. But also I think music and arts are, it's just valuable for its own sake. It doesn't have to be your job, but it might just be what, what makes you happy. So I'm, I'm worried that we're pushing Mm -hmm. kids so hard to only be vocational and not have a well-rounded education to just be a whole person. When I think we're, we're keeping a lot of kids away from certain vocations that, um, we need in, in society, um, and kids have interests, but you know, oh, it's not a college path, so we're not going to even consider right. pursuing that. You know, it's and it's really unfortunate. Um, and I have uh, my school is very highly academically motivated, um, and yes. um, so 
it's all about, you know, I have to take this many AP classes and this many foreign languages. And yes. So, uh, you know, and, and that's just happening, I think, in a lot of a lot of places. Um, but mm-hmm. that, that's it's it's kind of scary because I have um, um, you know, one student right now who is probably the best um, teacher, uh, like a teacher of strings. And, you know, she runs a sectional whatever. Um, and she is that's amazing. Great. She's just beyond yes. amazing and just focuses on all the details and and does all the right practice strategies and then not only that she's a great performer great personality and she's you know wicked smart and um but you know uh, there's a lot of pressure um from parents and society to like not do music you know because either it's not a solid career quote unquote um or you know the te- the yeah. way that teachers are perceived there's a lot of that, and so it's yes. just really unfortunate because she is just naturally gifted as a teacher and as a performer, and just all around, you know, whiz uh, in, in a lot of ways. And and um, we just, it's I'm trying to gently uh, remind her of all these things, um, but uh, we're going to see what happens. But it's just, it's just yeah. really difficult and, and a little frustrating. Right. Absolutely. And we've, I think we've all had students like that too. And, and, you know, absolutely follow your career path. If, if that means being a bioengineer, because so many of our kids are headed in a very smart field that way too, if that's your passion, but, um, but don't discount, you know, a career in the arts Mm -hmm. because you don't think it's viable, you know? So I think one of my big goals since, you know, I've only been this is only my second year as the primary high school person, uh-huh. but um, one of my goals is to um, to very intentionally do some career counseling and say, well, this is what you this is where you need to be to go into music, and here are some things you can do with it, and there are a lot more things open than you may think of, and here's how even taking a music minor could benefit you professionally in another career. So. Um, it's just a few things in the works that I really want to get going for high school students. Yeah. Yeah. I, I instill in my, all of my students that what you're doing in orchestra is going to help you with any career. Um, but you know, and I do talk about, you know, being a string teacher or going into the profession and try to, to even show them some other jobs and some other paths that they might be able to take that. Uh, aren't necessarily a performer or a teacher in the public school, but um, things that you could do as far as administration or working with technology. Um, there's just like so many options that uh, we need to make our students aware of. Yes. So um, anything, uh, anything else? Uh, you have any like uh, tricks or tips or technology things that you're using that, you know, um, people might be interested in to learn about? Sure. Well, um, I would say the, the biggest like overarching tip, and then I can, I guess I can think of, try to think of some technology things that go along with it. But, Uh um, the biggest tip is that something that, that I think you inspired a lot in me and, and in your teaching as well is to try to do less every year that goes by. I try to do less and have the students do more. Um, and technology can help with that um, because the kids are so intuitive with it. But just, you know, letting the students do a lot of those initial startup things that it, I often forget to do, like writing the agenda on the board or, um, 
you know, even taking initial attendance. And of course, we do the official attendance ourselves, but but the sure. students can can make sure, you know, they can submit it to me for approval. And then in two seconds, I can put it in instead of taking the time myself and have yeah. students do the path, you know, if, go see another student to get music if you don't have some and, and trying to offload a lot of those things. I just every year that goes by, I realize how capable even middle school students are and how willing right. they are to help. They're wonderful. You know, our kids are great. And so it's um, every time I think, do you think you could make a Google form so everybody can sign up and tell me what they're going to do for recruiting day? Yeah. You know, I had a kid go, oh, I'd love to do that. And they and just in like 10 minutes, they've got nice. it set up and it looks beautiful. And then if I need to tweak it, it's no big deal. So I think that's my biggest tip is as Anything you can think of to have a kid do, do it because not only are they getting that great experience, but I think they f- it makes them feel better when they feel like they're contributing and they feel like they're important. Yeah, they're like, <laughs> you know, take take a little and, bit of ownership. Exactly. That. Yeah, and then and I, we can go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and then we can take care of all the things that pop up in those few minutes that you were going to do, like you know, fix an instrument that's you know you know, died in its case and all the strings are loose or, or just being able to connect with other kids and do something else. So yeah. But yeah. what were you going to say? Go ahead. I think a lot of kids enjoy, you know, help most kids enjoy helping. Um, and, yeah. um, I sometimes forget how very capable my students are at the high school. And, um, you know, I do a lot of things myself and I realize like I probably could have had, um, kids do this and they probably would have enjoyed it a lot more than I did. Yes, you know, I, I for did. Sure. So yeah. Um, but that's, that's great. That's really great. And then, um, how, how are you using some technology to, to maybe, uh, help with this or do other things? Well, um, some of the things that we do, and this is funny, I was, I was just teaching a, a technology class to, um, music ed majors at OSU, we do a, a winter class and I go and talk to their methods classes. And one of the oh, cool. um, apps that has, you know, on on a phone or an iPad that's been the most helpful isn't a music app at all. And that is, it's called Decide Now. And um, there's mm-hmm. also a version of it called Roulette, which is, um, which is fun. And I think you do have to pay a little bit, a small amount of money if you want to customize the wheels, which you would, but it's really just a big roulette wheel. And then you could load (laughs) it up with any number of things. So we put it in with numbers. And if that means, um, you know, you know, each kid has a number and then their number comes up, it's their turn. You can put the kids' names in there. And so if you're playing a game and you want to make sure everybody gets a chance, the kids' names come up. Um, we started playing a game, um, inspired by the two set violin guys where we review music. Yeah. Or the af- our tradition is after our concert day, we do our two set challenge. So we, um, in the wheel, we put little excerpts of the music, like, you know, the piece of music measures one through 21 and, you know, a whole set of them. We spin the wheel to see which section of music we're going to do. And then there's a whole set of challenges. So they might have to play it on their opposite shoulder, or maybe they have to play it all with one finger or slur every measure or play it with yeah. one person playing left hand, one person playing right hand. And little <laughs> do they know they're having fun, but they're actually reviewing their music. And sometimes you can do that. You know, if you want just something fun to do is go back and review book songs that way. And so there's just a host of things that you can do um, with that. And the other thing that I use with that, too, is this random reinforcement. So we obviously know from psychology that random reinforcement is even more powerful than predictable reinforcement. And yeah. so I have all the kids' names on there. And I don't have time to run around and check 
every single day that every single kid has a binder and a pencil and and everything. Right. But if you spin the wheel maybe two times each day, they don't know who you know if it's going to come up or not, and they have to show that they have their their binder and their book and their pencil, and then nice. you, know, you can give a reward for that or write it write it down in their grade that they don't. But um, it, you know, it's just been a host of of opportunities to to help keep me organized. So that's been one of those things, and then. Um, one of the, the now, what, fun was the, apps. what was the, the app called that you just were talking about so, again? Decide now is a single the, wheel decide, decide now. now. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the, the roulette is one that I've also started. It's by the makers roulette. of, I'm not sure how to say it, but Idakio, which has a whole host of apps that okay. you can do grade books and stuff in. Um, so it was designed with education in mind. And I like roulette because you can actually play two wheels at once. So you don't have to go toggle back and forth between the two. Yeah. But okay. that's fun. Yeah. And then another fun app, if you do have um, some really advanced um, high schoolers, or if you're running a chamber music program, um, mm-hmm. it does require a little bit of a subscription, but it's so valuable. There's a really cool app now called Sit-Ins, and um, it's got preloaded a fair amount of chamber works, and oh. you can see the music. It's a split screen, or you can do one or the other, and you can see the music that you're playing and then watch a quartet play it, and then you can turn on and off the different voices, and you can slow it down, or you can pull the other voices oh, wow. down, and you hear just you. Um, so it's got several Haydn quartets. It's got a Mozart. It's got Unkleine Nacht music, a Tchaikovsky quartet. And so I have some wonderful, um, they're actually two viola players, but some pretty intense um, students that, um, you know, we're looking to dig into some advanced chamber music. And um, and that's what they do on their study hall, <laughs> is that they play chamber music with um, with this app. So it's, wow. it's got the Dvorak American Quartet. So they were excited to get to play that. Yeah, that that yeah. sounds like it would be uh, something really valuable. And it's like you said, for the kind of the upper level students, because sometimes the apps for, for them just are are too basic or right. know, they're just not but that sounds like it would be, really hit that high level right cool yeah and then and then you can use the kid note reading ones and make you know you can make your um cellos learn tenor clef and the violas learn high alto clef and your violins throw them way way high off the staff too yeah. so even at the high school level they actually asked me the high schoolers said can remember how when we were in sixth grade we played those note reading games could you find a way for us to do it and i was like okay <laughs> so we customized it so that they were doing something that was hard for them and they actually still enjoy it so that sounds like fun yeah very cool um Anything else that uh, that you you know had thought about or wanted to to share with us? Um, it's all great stuff today. Yeah. Um, no, I'm just so excited that um, that we you know gotten a chance to talk, and I'm really enjoying listening to your podcast as well and getting ideas oh, from other teachers because I think that's one of the biggest benefits for us as teachers is to listen to what other people are doing and maybe take even if it's just one thing from what they do to make your own situation um, more exciting or, you know, exactly. I think that's a great, I think that's a great thing. So, so will you be um, at ASTA this year? Yes, I, um, I have a technology session. um, Okay. Tell us about when it is and yeah, Thursday. Yeah. It's on Thursday at 11 a.m. And yeah, and I'll be around ASTA excited to, what is, what is the title of your session? (laughs) <laughs> or it is. you forgot 
I know no, I do that all the time. Um, <laughs> but I haven't had to say it out loud yet. And I, I asked someone else if if they dared me to, to title it this way, and they said, go for it. So it is Absolutely Fabulous Apps. So there nice. you go. Nice. That's great. I love puns, um, so it's right but, up my alley. Uh, yeah. But it, hopefully it'll just be some things. I had... Uh, um, it's, it's actually a two-day session when I do it at the OSU oh. workshop, so I'm going to do some fast talking. But I hopefully find the best ones that, you know, can be exciting and, and beneficial to teachers. So. Cool. Well, I know a lot of people will be looking forward to that. So it'll be great to see you there. And then um, will you be at Ohio State this summer as well? Yes. And all okay. of that will be over in the stadium this year because they're doing construction on the, right. on the new building. So that's exciting. That will be interesting. So if uh, people listening, uh, if you have not met uh, Aaron, definitely, and are going to ASTA, it would be great for you to attend her session on Thursday at 11 um, on uh, fabulous apps, absolutely fabulous apps. And um, uh, if not, uh, and if you have not ever had the Ohio State String Teacher Workshop experience, that's something that... uh, is life changing if you've never done it before, and it's yeah, also absolutely. a lot of fun. Yeah. So, uh, Aaron, thank you so much for um, coming and talk to us today and sharing all your thank you uh, words of wisdom and, and your experiences. And it's great to catch up with you a little bit. I'm excited to see you uh, at Asta. Um, I will be there just uh, Friday and Saturday. But um, but uh, great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, this is our fourth episode. And um, I, I know I had uh, spoken uh, when I was speaking with uh, David Metrio on our third episode. I had said I was going to do another episode from Midwest, and that did not happen because Midwest just gets busy, <laughs> and it just did not happen. So I have a long list of guests that I want to include. So hope you all be able to subscribe. Uh, if you're listening um, not through iTunes or Spotify, we are on iTunes and Spotify. And um, thank you, Aaron, for being here. We will see uh, everyone on the next episode of the Orchestra Teacher Podcast. The music you are listening to is Iowa Spring by composer Paul Seitz, grade two.